Hi, this is Lisa, and you are listening to I Love That Movie. This podcast is for movie lovers. It's not an unbiased opinion. It's not a straightforward review. It's just a couple people talking about a movie that they love. The format is each week I have a guest, and that guest and I discuss a movie that they love, something they're obsessed with, something they connect with. We'll talk about the plot, the director, and the actors, but we'll also talk about the personal connection my guest has with that movie. So if that sounds like something you want to listen to, keep listening. Hey, this is Lisa, and I have a new guest with me here today. This is Mike from the GMC podcast. Say hi, Mike. Hello, my name is Michael Kearns. You killed my father. Prepare to die. <laughs> and uh, what? So I, I guess that kind of gives it away. What movie did you want to talk about today? Uh, I am talking about the Princess Bride, the thirty-year-old Princess Bride. Wow, thirty years. I know, crazy, right? This year. Yeah, that 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 is crazy. I didn't realize that until I I watched it again. Um, I just watched it last night. So, so let's, let's kind of just dive into some of these questions. I'm going to start out just asking you about your experience with this movie. Um, did you see this movie in theaters or how did you first see it? You know, I didn't see it in the theaters. And actually what people don't realize now that this movie's just become such a popular movie is that it really didn't do that well in the movie theater. It, uh, mm -hmm. it did really well once it hit home video. And at the time it was relatively new to most cable packages was the Disney Channel. I mean, it came out like five years before this, but I first saw it in the summer of 88. That's when it first hit the Disney Channel. Maybe oh, okay. it's just uh, because that's when my family was like actually well off enough to be able to afford cable. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we saw the Disney Channel that summer and uh, yeah, we, we watched it like crazy. So how old were you at that point? If you don't mind. I, no, I don't mind. I had just turned 10 years old. Okay. And uh, yeah, my brother and I, my brother was six years older than me, and we didn't agree on anything except Star Wars at that point in our lives, you know, <laughs> the, the age difference there. But this was one of those rare movies where we both liked it so much, I think we watched it on loop that entire summer. Every time Disney Channel would replay it, we would just, you know, go back and watch it again and again and again. So I have a confession. Mm -hmm. This is not the first time I've seen the movie, but I did not grow up watching this at all. Sure. It happens to a lot of people. Yeah. And, and I think some of it may be what you just said. I did not have cable. <laughs> right. So yeah. like the only time I ever got to see cable at all was when I was at my grandmother's house. And she, I think she mainly had Nickelodeon. So I was kind of limited to what was on Nickelodeon. Mm -hmm. So I never saw this movie until I was an adult. And so I don't have the same history that a lot of people do. I know that it's beloved. I know that, um, you know, so many, I, in the, in the group, I knew my friend Tommy was going to get like, not upset, but like he was going to go, what princess bride? <laughs> because you're not the first person to ask me to do this movie. And in fact, sometimes so many people ask for the same movie that I kind of have to just pick and choose. And, you know, like, like Tommy, you've been on the show a couple times. So I'm, I'm, even though you love that movie, I may give that to someone else kind of thing, you know? Okay. Tommy, I apologize. <laughs> He did our Star Wars episodes. Yeah, so, to be fair, yeah. <laughs> Empire Strikes Back, Raiders of the Lost Ark was already done. So I said, okay, how about this one? Right, right, right. So, like, this is one of those movies where you're going to run into that. And this movie is so beloved and so popular that I think a part of me, so it's not as bad as your relationship with Blade Runner, but <laughs> a part <laughs> of me, for, for those of you that don't know, uh, Mike has seen Blade Runner. You said three or four times before it you... It took about the third full yeah. <laughs> viewing for me to finally appreciate it, I think. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I think... So it wasn't quite that level, but I did kind of... I, I didn't resonate with it the way that everyone else does. So what's exciting to me about that is that we're going to talk about this movie a lot, obviously, and I'm going to try to get inside the mind of somebody who really loves this movie and, you know, you, you can pitch it to me, sell it to me kind of thing. I will, I will do what I can. <laughs> so with that said, uh, I'll go ahead and jump into the synopsis real quick. Uh, sure. Mike, you already mentioned that this came out in 1987. So here is the synopsis of Princess Bride. A fairy tale adventure about a beautiful young woman and her one true love. He must find her after a long separation and save her. They must battle the evils of the mythical kingdom of Florin to be reunited with each other. 
based on the William Goldman novel The Princess Bride, which earned its loyal audience. Wow, that's really summing it up. A nice little bow there. Yeah, yeah, yeah short and sweet. I think that was uh, for IMDb or Wikipedia. <laughs> okay. I did not write that. Uh, but uh, let's... Uh, so, yeah, that's the gist of it. And, of course, this movie... Um, you kind of mentioned when it came out, uh, you know, it, it didn't have a huge splash and in theaters and was sort of more beloved in reruns uh, or played when it was played on the Disney Channel. I was watching a behind the scenes right before we jumped on this call and the director Rob Reiner talked about how, you know, they were a little bit apprehensive as to how audiences were going to receive this movie because... You know, if you just see like a trailer, you might not pick up on how funny the movie is and how it's the sort of mix of a fairy tale, but also kind of making fun of fairy tales. And it's just like a really good blend of those things. And maybe that's why at first it didn't kind of have the big following that it does now. Do you agree with that? Uh, yeah, I think so. I, I, you know, I don't think it actually is a Disney movie. Uh, I, I think I've always associated that because I saw it on Disney Channel. I was talking about, I think it was sure. actually 20th Century Fox. But uh, yeah, I think that Rob Reiner and uh, he had just done Spinal Tap mm-hmm. when he when he actually talked to uh, to William Goldman about making this movie, and so he watched apparently William Goldman watched Spinal Tap and thought it was hilarious, and so it was like that that's definitely the guy I want to make the movie. And this was after about three or four uh, false starts where they had had the movie planned out uh, multiple times, and either the studio went under or the person that was going to get that made got fired. So uh, it was a long time coming for this movie, and and. and yeah, it was Hopefully, like 10 years. I, I don't imagine it could have turned out any better, personally. Right. And uh, I have a couple quick facts about it. Um, kind of jumping off from what you said about Rob Reiner, uh, when he first read the book, The Princess Bride, was back when he was starring in All in the Family in 1971. And his dad, Carl Reiner, was friendly with William Goldman and thought Rob should should read the book and would like it. That's, that's kind that's, of a, that's interesting. Yeah, him and Carrie was both uh, apparently were real big fans of it before having anything to do with making the movie. Yeah, so that helps. Yeah, and it's funny that he was a fan, but didn't know that it was like stuck in that production hell. That <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like is the story behind so many good movies. Um, all of the main characters in this movie are introduced within the first seven minutes of the film. Really. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. It's <laughs> yeah. the kind of thing I never thought about before. Right. Yeah. It's like it flows pretty well, so you don't really pick up on that. And um did you have any like quick facts that you kinda wanted to, to throw in? Uh well first you, you brought up Rob Reiner and when uh I actually was looking at it before we started, how underrated is this guy? Spinal tap, stand by me, when Harry met Sally, misery, a few good men. This guy's great. I know I never even, I never even noticed he made half of those movies. Me neither, and I guess because when they came out you know, I was so young that I wasn't really connecting the dots that it was the same director. And because his catalog is so diverse, it's like a lot of it's like he made every different type of movie. Yeah, he doesn't make the same movie twice. That's yeah. for sure. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I, I liked watching the behind the scenes stuff. He just seems so, so like warm and friendly and everybody just had such good things to say about him and what a good experience this was on set. And I have to say, like, one thing that I kind of walked away from watching this movie this time, and I'll, I'll talk about specific characters as we kind of go down the list, but um, it seems like everybody is genuinely having a good time. And everybody is genuinely, like, happy in the movie. Like, you know? there's just Well, apparently Andre the Giant drank so much that I'm pretty sure there was a lot of that going around. And uh, it's hard <laughs> not to have a good time around him, apparently. Well, yeah, that, I didn't know that. That's that's. <laughs> so um, there's so many characters in this movie. Like typically what we do on the show is kind of go through each actor. But I think because there's so many different characters, I think a better approach might be let's talk about some of your favorite scenes. We could either, either go through every favorite scene you have or you could go chronologically if you prefer, whatever you want to do. Let's do that. And then we'll kind of talk about the actors as we discuss the scenes that they're in. Well, I mean, I don't know if I could pick a favorite scene because, I mean, it's just one <laughs> after the other. But I will say that this is – for what what Star Wars did for lightsabers is what this movie did for me in Swords. I mean, I wanted to learn how to fence after seeing this movie because uh, Carrie was and Mandy Patinkin's duel on the mountain is just still to this day just legendary. Even with the uh, the poorly aged music, uh, you know, it's, it's basically it's MIDI music from like a Super Nintendo game. But it, it's still <laughs> it does catchy. Like that. And it, it does add to its charm a little bit, I think. But uh, definitely anytime there's sword play – in, in the game is really good. The Battle of Wits between Wesley and uh, Vizzini, obviously, is one of the most quoted scenes ever in any movie I can think of. But 
Yeah, Vizzini. No, I could pick. I could pick one scene for sure. Okay, well, well, let's let's kind of, um, you know, let's talk through a couple scenes. Like, okay. pick pick one. We'll discuss it, and then we'll just kind of go to the next one. Well, I need to pull up the the, the actual plot summary now, don't I? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I'll start off by saying that. Um, as much as I love this movie, the, the, the one part I don't really care of, as much as I love Matlock growing up, I, the, the whole grandpa telling his kid the story, I, you could cut that part out of the movie and I'd be fine what? with it. What? Okay, yeah, I have to disagree. I mean, I loved Wonder Years and all that, <laughs> so I mean, I liked Fred Savage, I guess. Oh my I, gosh, I'm so shocked. There's a couple of parts <laughs> where he interrupts the story, which I actually think add to the charm of it, but I don't know. Sometimes okay. I'm just like, yeah, let's just, when, like when I show this movie to my kid, uh, we fast forward to, uh, to what? You know, Okay, As you I, wish. I, I am going to uh, interrupt you there really quick and just say, um, for, because I did want to talk about both Fred Savage and Peter Falk. Uh, so for Fred Savage, uh, I was a huge fan of the Wonder Years as a kid. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, in, in some of the other movies he did too, but the Wonder Years specifically just obsessed. I think that was like the first show that I ever saw that in my mind as a kid, I was like, this is a serious show you know (laughs) so i have a huge attachment to that so i i still think he's adorable and i i do like that part and then his grandfather is like the best grandfather ever it's columbo how can you not like him (laughs) Columbo. i said matlock i meant columbo oh no it's okay (laughs) but um, i think i I watched those two back to back when i was younger and that's why i do that right and and like i remember like i was thinking about that today when i was reading about all the all the actors I was thinking, man, I was such a weird kid because I really liked Columbo a lot. And I used to watch it all the time. And I remember my dad would even laugh about it and think like, why do you like this? So- why do you like him so much? I was like, I don't know. I love him. And I'd watch like so many episodes. So so those that those two characters, I I, I get what you're saying, but I'm going to have to disagree. But No, I understand. <laughs> I don't I don't hate it. I'm just saying like my kid, I turned this on for him and he was like, what are we watching? You know? <laughs> And then we, I just like, okay, let's just zip forward a little bit. You well, know, that, that, that's about all. Yeah, and he doesn't have that connection to those characters. No, not 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 yet. Okay, well, talk about uh, like just maybe like your first favorite scene that comes up in the movie. Oh, uh, there's so many scenes I think that you would on paper you'd look at it and say that's not going to work. Like um, Inigo and Fezzik making rhymes together, you would think that who, who writes this stuff. And I don't know if it's just because I grew up loving Andre the Giant, but even at almost 40 years old, I still find that scene. I know I keep coming back to the word charming, but that's just the word that I would use for this uh, for this movie. And that, yeah. them rhyming back and forth is just almost like something that a, a father would do with his son and the mother would just be over there just like rolling her eye at him, you know. <laughs> <laughs> the movie is very like punny. So. Oh, yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. That's why I think this is a perfect mix of the fantasy genre and satire of the fantasy genre. And that, I think that's why it works. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. And you said the two characters were Vizzini and, and Fezzik, right? Uh, Fezzik and Inigo are the ones in, who are doing in, the, the in Inigo. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Sorry. You um, haven't watched this 1200 times, Lisa. Come oh on. Oh my God. <laughs> the pressure. <laughs> People are going to come for me if like, it doesn't, if this episode isn't good. Um, but yeah, so I did want to say a couple quick things about Inigo Montoya. I, he was one of the actors I was thinking about when we, when I was telling you that it seemed like everybody had a good time. His smile in the entire movie. I mean, you can tell he's just beaming. And this is actually, you know, Mandy uh, Patinkin's. It's like his favorite role he's ever done. Yes. And yes. and you can really feel that in the movie. He has such a connection. Um, that heartbreaking story about his father. Have, have you? I'm sure you know everything about that. But yeah, yeah, he yeah. said you know it, the character speaks to him because he lost his own dad, and uh, he said when that when he got to do that scene with "I want my father back," it really helped him deal with it was healing with the loss of his father mm-hmm. in real life. So uh, yeah, that that you could tell obviously he was having a good time. And you know what? The thing about Mandy Patinkin is I didn't even know he was on Homeland until like I was in the second season of Homeland. I didn't even know that was him. Oh, he looks so differently. <laughs> I haven't se- I haven't really seen a lot of that show. When I think of him, I think of and I didn't see a lot of this show either, but there was a time I went through a period where I tried to get into uh, Criminal Minds mm. and he's only in the first season. And he yes, actually my wife is a big fan. Yeah, and he actually left the show because he felt that the subject matter was too dark and he didn't like the idea that you know, he's like he he felt like he was giving people ideas and like relishing in like evil and like uh, serial killers too much. And that's why he left an actor with principles. Amazing. <laughs> and, and 
I I watched like that whole first season and I just kept thinking, I like that guy. I like him. He seems so nice. And I was like, why do I think that? And then when I realized who he was, I was like, oh, okay. Because the only other thing I've ever seen him in, he's like smiling the entire movie. You know what I mean? <laughs> so right. like I associated him with like good thoughts. Um, but yeah, so that's that's what I think of. And I think he does such a good job in the movie and he just seems so thankful. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure everybody in the 30th reunion and in other things they talk about, they're appreciative of what this movie did for them. But I feel like he in particular stands out the most. Uh- Absolutely. And he has some of the best uh, lines in this movie. And, and you want to talk about a quotable movie. This is a movie that I think I use in my daily vocabulary because of the the, the quotes in this movie are, are just so well done. There's little <laughs> things that you don't think about, like, do you always begin a conversation this way? Things like that that I can just fit into my everyday life. And I think that's what makes <laughs> it resonate so well, because this is one of those movies that I can put on mute and recite the entire movie and soundtrack on my own. I've watched it that many times. Impressive. Yeah, I know. Watch out, watch out, honey. The ladies are gonna be knocking <laughs> down the door soon. That's funny. What what's uh what's another uh, scene that you wanted to talk about? Well, we talked about the fencing part on uh, mm-hmm. at the Cliffs of Insanity. Uh, first, you, you've got Vicini dropping about his twelfth inconceivable of the movie, and Inigo tells him, you know, uh, you keep using that word. I do not think it means what you think it means. There's another one of the lines I get to use a lot, but yeah. just the the way the chore- fight choreography in that is just so impressive. And I, I, I kind of made fun of the music a little bit earlier, but it, it, it works so well with the scene and just so many little things like I'm not left handed. And it's just you see him as a mutual form of respect at the end. You know, I, I, I soon shatter a stained glass window. But since I can't have you following me either, you know, it's it's just it's fun. I hate to use that word because I know that, that geeks these days are, are, are <laughs> hate to work fun because critics use it when they grade movies now. But it is so much fun. It's like I said, it's what made me want to learn how to sword fight. I didn't do it, but I did buy me a few swords. <laughs> well, the character Wesley, you know, I was watching how they casted him, uh, Carrie Elwes, uh, who later went on to do Men in Tights. That's what I remember him from because I did watch that movie a lot. It's funny because is... Rob Reiner said he had an Errol Flynn look to him. Yeah. And and, and <laughs> also uh, they were saying that they kind of wanted to, to do like a callback to uh, Douglas Fairbanks. Yes, who did like yes. those uh, swashbuckling. And when they show the footage side by side, it's like, wow, even like the same outfit. Mm-hmm. Really interesting. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think I, I completely agree with uh, what Rob Reiner had to say about casting him. And that's that, you know, it's really hard to find someone that is athletic, uh, a good actor, funny, and then so pretty, frankly. Pretty, yes. Pretty man. <laughs> because he really, he truly, you know, I was telling my husband last night we watched it, I go, he's pretty like, almost like a woman pretty like i mean he is like be- a beautiful person like and it's interesting that he has all that in like one package it, i i do feel like you do not see that a lot yes he is like dean winchester on supernatural he is the prettiest man i think i've ever seen <laughs> um but yeah i i agree that's a good scene uh their back and forth banter in that scene is pretty funny and the choreography it was interesting learning about how they you know really had to kind of know their stuff and get stabbed or stab a couple of times and you know right and you want to talk about the back and forth banter when you have the battle of wits between wesley and vicini over oh, you know, the I'm iocane ex- powder i'm now excited that, to talk about that yeah what what so someone who's actually sort of new to this what what really stood out to you about it um well i just love wallace sean so much uh because he is the grand nagus i'm sorry he's the what on d space nine He's he's the uh, the the like head Frangie. Is he really? Yeah. Wow, I never knew that. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Uh, Google him real quick. Okay. Do wow. It, do it. Do it. I, I yeah. Know Wallace Shawn. So oh, man, I didn't know he was on that. So that's that's what I know him from because I grew up watching that show, and I think probably the first time I saw this movie was because of that, which is like a weird backwards thing, but like I saw it because. Uh, you know, I was like, oh, I want to see him in more stuff because I'm pretty much only seen him in makeup. And so I went back and saw this movie. Let me now you're making me nervous. I'm, I'm, no, no, see, I'm pretty I, confident. I know, I know that Ferengi. Yeah, but I never knew that was him. Wow. OK. Yeah, I'm going to go. See, back I always and just think about just... the guy who played Quark. So that's all I always. Oh, think yeah. About. Yeah. Ar- Armin Shimmerman. No, uh, I'm going to test it really quick. I was pretty sure that was him, though. 
Yeah, yeah. yeah Deep no, Space I Nine. Up. No, exactly. that, that, that is, yeah. yeah. And like his voice is just so unmistakable, you know? So like even though he, he has all that makeup on and everything, it sounds like him. See, yeah. I grew up seeing him in this. So every time I see him, like he was in Clueless and I just wanted him to yell <laughs> inconceivable, you know, the oh. whole time. And, and that poor guy, because apparently people still come up to him to the to this day when they see him and, and say, you just shout inconceivable at him. <laughs> poor dude. Yeah. <laughs> no, to me, he's always like Quark, you know, because that's what I remember. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I would not dare challenge your knowledge of Deep Space Nine. I am still learning. It's uh, it's frightening. Uh, no, it's a. Uh, I, <laughs> I don't. Fantastic. I don't know what the word is for it, but, but yeah, no, I really, I think he's such a funny person, and so I really like. It's one of my favorite scenes is this scene because I like him so much, um, and you know, yeah, it's it's very clever, and they're a little back and forth, and um, I, I was watching the behind the scenes where they were saying that. You know, it's not like they wrote this part for Wallace Shawn. On paper, I don't think necessarily that's who they were thinking of, you know. But right. when he comes in and he reads the lines and he's just so funny and puts yeah, his own spin his, on his it. Yeah, they said his audition, he was just hysterical. They, they could not cast him after that. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And I, I do feel like it's one of the, I mean, there's a lot of them, but it's definitely like kind of a, like a little bit of a fourth wall breaking scene because he's so modern in it, but... Yeah, do you good. watch Sherlock, the BBC series? I do, yeah. Okay, the very first episode of that, I am fairly sure that they liked this scene so much they wrote it into the pilot episode of Sherlock where it's basically you take the poison or I drink the poison. Oh, and man. It's way more serious, but if you go back and watch it now, you might be like, ha, huh, you might be right because it's a oh. whole time I was like, hey, this is just like Princess Bride. I'm going to have to go back and watch that. It has been so That's... long since I saw the, the pilot episode. I'll I'll see, I started it last year, so. Oh yeah. really? I was like, I was, yeah, I was late to that party. After Doctor Who, I needed me some more BBC stuff. <laughs> I mean, Sherlock's really good. It's just, uh, you know, every episode is like a movie, yeah. so it's kind of hard to find the time. I get it. No, I understand. There's only like nine episodes or something, but I haven't even watched them all. Oh yeah, they're good. They're good. Um, but yeah, no, I I think it's I think it's a really good scene. Yeah, and then they go to the the fire swamp, which is a uh, which is a very interesting idea. Uh, the the rodents of unusual size is always <laughs> an interesting one to me. It's like, did they actually have a man in a suit when he's actually fighting Wesley there? So that's always one I've always it's been interested to see the behind the scenes of. But I, I feel like something like that takes away from the, the the mystique of it. So I don't I didn't actually watch the behind the scenes other than reading uh, Carrie Olwell's book on it. Oh, okay. I'm not going to say anything then. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love the, the the quicksand part where he actually dives head first, and apparently that was a uh, Carriol was kind of a improv there doing the head first dive into the quicksand. So yeah, oh, he had, yeah. <laughs> not only was he beautiful, but he also was very athletic. Apparently, so that was that was quite graceful. But mm -hmm. it's just it was just a very very interesting idea. Reading as many fantasy novels as I have, and n never seen like this Three Dangers of the Fire Swamp kind of thing. Mm -hmm. It's a very very interesting concept. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So then they're captured, and uh, we see Count Rogan, the six-fingered man, which is obviously very, very weird. But, you know, he had asked him before if he had six fingers and told him the story about how he killed his father. So that's what we call a hook. And were you hooked at this point? Um. Yeah, I mean, this that definitely – that was a good tie-in. I like the smirk when he realizes he has six fingers. And I also think that Christopher Guest just does a really good job with that role. I don't know. I feel yeah. like in this movie, you know, they're bad guys, but I like all the bad guys, too. Oh, he's a bad guy. And then you have just like this sniveling little coward that you pipsqueak that you just want to strangle on Humperdinck. But that's just because uh, the actor plays him. Who is it? Uh, Chris, Chris Sarandon? Sarandon. Yeah, he, he plays him so damn well. Yeah. That anytime I've seen that guy in anything after, I'm just like, to the pain. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, I was looking through his IMDb and... Uh, I didn't realize he was, I mean, this is, this is going to make me sound like I'm like 15 or something, but, um, he was Jack Skellington. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm summarizing his career as though he was just in that, but that's the first thing that I can think of that I saw. And then, you know, I guess that's the, him being Jack Skellington is kind of a callback to Fright Night and Child's Play. I guess he did a lot of horror. Yeah, I can't recall really what I had seen him in. I just knew I I watch a lot of bad sci-fi, and you know a lot of these <laughs> actors all pop up. One episode on Star Trek, one episode that's on true. you know Stargate SG One, you know one episode of X Files, and that's probably where I figured I'd seen him before. After that, oh gotcha. Yeah, I think I think he does a really good job as Humperdinck. Like I said, oh, yeah. I know he's evil, but I kind of like him. 
Uh, the, um, the famous uh, meme that we see of this movie is every time there is daylight savings and it's I just stole one hour of your life, you get back to the, <laughs> the meme of this where I just you know stole one year of your life uh, with, the, uh, with the machine torture. Oh, yeah. So this scene, I, I like forgot this was in the movie until I watched it again last night. Which part that he was captured? Well, like the, the one hour yeah, torture one machine. Hour of your life. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, I don't remember this part. Like, <laughs> so that was kind of funny to see again. Kind of jumping. Yeah, uh, when you get uh, when you get as old as me, you start to feel those those those, those hours and those years. So you know, taking <laughs> one year away is actually frightening. <laughs> um, I like that. I like how it ble- bleeds in the next scene too, where he they bring him back to life. I was like, how did I forget all this? Like that he dies and they bring him back. Well, you can't pass over Billy Crystal being wonderful as Miracle Max. Right? See, I think my brain just automatically went to the Billy Crystal scene, and I just kind yeah. of forgot, you know. But oh, um, Billy Crystal's fantastic. Yeah, he's awesome. Um, I don't feel like I have to explain where I've seen Billy Crystal before. Hopefully, all of you out there know who he is. Watch City um, Slickers, guys. It's the best. Yes. <laughs> and also really love uh, his wife, Valerie, uh, Carol yes. Ann. Oh, my gosh. I love that woman so to much. this day, my wife says, I'm not a witch. I'm your wife. So, oh, that's so yeah. cute. Yeah, I, I loved her. When I was a kid, I think the, the main thing I remember her from was Scrooged. Yes, yes, is the fairy. Yes, yeah. The, the ghost of Christmas uh, present? Christmas past? Which one was she? Ah, I just remember she was a fairy. She was present, <laughs> I think, because she was really forgetful, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, And I most recently saw her in Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. And I remember like the second she started talking, I was like, that's a lady from Scrooge. But it was weird because... She's always playing like she's either insane or older than what she actually is, and especially back then. And so, like in Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, she's like both crazy and insane. I have not, really I have cool. not endured on this. Uh, my my podcast host Danny has has told me to watch that series it's, multiple times. It's I, on my to do list. Like the first season, I really enjoyed. I kind of dropped off to be honest with you, but she's hilarious, and I mean, she's just the same exact same as she is in this movie and in Scrooge. So. But um, and she was also in Gotham. I know no one watches that. I don't watch it anymore either. But <laughs> no comment. That's, this, this podcast is about to take a big turn if we talk about Gotham. Oh gosh, yeah. Well, she's she plays uh, the Penguin's mom. So huh. makes sense. She did a good job. She always does a good job. But yeah, I love her in this scene. Um, her and and Billy Crystal they just play off each other so well, and all his. Yes. Like, I really believe I, they've been married for 50 years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I have to think that all their dialogue, I mean, I know there was a script, but it seemed like all improv, right? It definitely seems like they just kind of, hey, they're on fire, just point the camera at them and see what happens, yes. Yeah, and have you have you heard that, like, uh, Rob Reiner had to leave the, the set whenever Billy Crystal was on because he was so funny, he just... It, he would yeah, he, said, so he couldn't sit in the director's chair and not laugh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe yeah. that, yeah. Apparently, there's a lot of cut footage of Billy Crystal because that's where you said that you feel like a lot of that was improv. So I've got to believe that you're right on that because apparently there's a ton of stuff that they haven't ever released on a blooper reel. I was hoping it was going to happen for the 30th anniversary, but I guess not. Did you do anything special for the 30th? Did you go to any events or anything like that? It wasn't like a special thing, but for years, I, you being someone who cosplays, uh, you, you probably appreciate this. For years, mm-hmm. I've always said – once a year, we have the Texas Renaissance Festival out here. I don't know if it goes up there, uh, but we have it out here in Houston, uh, well, just guys, outside of Houston. Like, you guys have the best one. Like people yes, up here yes. in Dallas go to that one. That's yeah. what my brother in Atlanta tells mm-hmm. me all the time is that we have the best one out here. But uh, for years, I had said I wanted to put together the uh, the Dread Pirate Wesley costume. And uh, finally this year, I was like, you know, it's the 30th anniversary. I'm just going to do it. And I finally did it. Uh, I didn't look quite as dashing as Wesley did, but you know, hey, I, I did my best. And uh, <laughs> all day. All day, thank you. All day, people were shouting quotes at me. Why do you wear a mask? Were you horribly burned? You know, stuff like that. And you know, just naturally quoting it back and forth. I think that is another reason you could tell the movie is just like universally beloved. That people will come up, a total stranger will come up and shout a movie quote at you, and you'll answer it without even hesitating. You, you mentioned that because of this movie, it, it gave you an interest in sword fighting. Do you feel like this movie is kind of why you go to the Texas Renaissance Festival? No, no, because no, I mean, I'm just, yeah. I mean. I, like I said, I read so many fantasy novels and I love Lord of the Rings and stuff like that. So anytime you've got an opportunity to just – this is before we had the open carry law in, in Texas. But <laughs> anytime you have an opportunity to just walk around with a, with a sword while you know drinking an ale and, and, and feasting on a, a, a turkey leg, it's a, it's a good time to go to. 
Um, uh, another scene of this that, that I really do enjoy, and I, I don't know how, how if you found it hilarious or if it was one of those things you're like, what is going on? And that is when Humperdinck and Buttercup are getting married, and the priest is talking like a complete lunatic. Mowage. Mowage is what brings us together today. That guy. We so wanted the priest at our wedding to talk like that. <laughs> so bad, but we just knew everyone would just be dying of laughter. So we're like, let's, let's, let's not do that. No, I think that's one of the funnier scenes. Because, I mean, at this point, I think so many people have quoted it and they kind of know what's coming up. But the first time that you see it, you you definitely do not expect it because it's like a grave moment in the story. So, yeah, so yeah that, that's a really good scene. Oh, I, you know, I, I don't know. We haven't picked a specific scene with her yet, but I kind of want to talk a little bit about Robin Wright, too. Princess Absolutely. Buttercup. She was still Robin Wright Penn back then, but yes. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, that's right. She was married to Sean Penn. Uh, everyone always declares her Jenny from Forrest Gump. I'm like, no, no, no. You want? I'm watching House of Cards. That's Buttercup, baby. <laughs> you know what's funny is um, I, di- I didn't watch House of Cards, so she was kind of off my radar for a long time. Mm-hmm. And so when I was reading about her a while back, I think it was when she got cast in Wonder Ant- Woman. Antiope, yes. Yeah. Yes. And and I was reading about how they were, you know, they, they said like one of her traits, you know how IMDb will have like, oh, you know, this is a trait of this actor or that actor. And Absolutely. they were saying that she was kind of um, more masculine and cold and like all these other things. And I was like, what? Because I'm thinking of Princess Buttercup. Mm-hmm. But it's funny right. because... She has later sort of made her career being these like stronger, icier like in House of Cards and Blade Runner twenty forty nine, and then she's not icy at all. But in Wonder Woman, she's you know so strong. It's like it's interesting how she just kind of transformed from that nineteen year old and in, in this movie and and how different she is now. Yeah, I think she was working on Santa Barbara, the the mm-hmm. soap opera. I don't know if anybody <laughs> even knows those. My mom, my mom watched all the soap operas, so I, I could tell you all about them. But yeah, when she got cast, and she was working on Santa Barbara, so that's yeah, a, that's a, that's an amazing step up. And she seems so like natural in the role, very elegant, and she could be funny, but also kind of serious. And I mean, I'm not like a an accent expert by any stretch of the imagination, but I feel like her her English accent's pretty good. Yeah, I thought she was actually English for a long time <laughs> until I saw her in Forrest Gump. Actually, I think uh, we did. We did kind of pass over uh, one scene that I, that, that I know we're not going chronological now. Oh, no, you're but I do fine. want to go back one we pass up, and that is yeah. the duel between uh, Wesley and Andre the Giant. That is some of the best. Just that is me fighting with my kid right there, where he jumps <laughs> on my back, kind of thing, and he's like just toying with him. And, you know, he throws the rock at him, says, you know. I didn't have to miss. He just wants to fight him sportsmanlike. He wants a real fight. And again, I think that's just one of those things that everyone said that in real life, Andre the Giant played this big, mean guy on on, on, on WWF. It was still WWF back then. Oh, okay. But that he was just like the biggest teddy bear ever. And I think that comes across. Apparently, he was just like a big kid on the set. And aside the fact that he drank like you know 40 ounces of beer before every scene. But, uh, I did not yeah. know that. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he drank a lot, and apparently he had such a tough time with his lines because you know he 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 really wasn't that well of a speaker. Yeah. That uh, apparently he had him. Rob Reiner had him record all of his lines on a tape cassette and practice with them that way. So that 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 was how he got to the point where his poor dictation, I guess you would say, was able to make him be able to recite his lines well. Well, he's very and I mean, there, endearing. There are in the some movie. points where I still like. I still don't know what he said. It's been thirty years, and I still don't know what he said right there. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. I th- I did notice that uh, watching it this time that he is hard to understand. Very. Yeah, but but he's so endearing and and just seems so warm and friendly and such a such a big part of the story, you know. Yeah, and Carrie was his book. He he, he was quite had quite a few fond things to say about him. Aw, that's sweet. So you say everybody looks like they were having fun on this. Apparently, they're all most of them are all still really close. So I mean that that, that tells you tells you how much this movie really was special. That's always so nice to hear. You know, people will be like, oh, have you heard? They all hated each other. And it's like, <laughs> I actually don't like to hear that. You know, I want to believe that <laughs> that every movie, everybody like hugs and cries at the end. But, right. um, but yeah. You got to remember, this is work for a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, it's not fun times. Yeah, yeah that's true. Well, what's another scene that, that you want to discuss? Uh, well, I think probably the, the climax of the movie and you would think, with the way this movie is framed, that it would be something with Wesley or Buttercup, but it's actually between Inigo and Count Rogan, where he gets uh, revenge for his father. Mm-hmm. 
And that is such a powerful scene. I mean, it it was like the first movie where I'd heard bad language in it, honestly. <laughs> At the time, I want my father back, you son of a bitch. And I mean, it's just, to the day, that scene just gives me goosebumps. I love it. It's so well done. And and again, knowing what that scene and that whole role meant to Mandy Patinkin makes it mean even more to me. Yeah, I, I really like Mandy Patinkin in this movie. I think, like, if I had grown up with it, I probably would have had a crush on his character <laughs> the most because he's a, I don't know, like... For a side character, he just has so much to do, so much more than a much bigger role than you would normally give a side character, and and it's just so satisfying when he gets his revenge. And um, I, I do really like that scene. And I, I remember like the first time I watched it, when he gets so wounded, I was like, oh, this is he's gonna die in this scene. Like I was really worried. I was like, he's gonna die, and that's the end. And he doesn't, which makes me really happy. <laughs> right. Right. No, he's, he's wonderful. Yeah. And the, and the, and the other guy too, uh, Count Rugen, Rugen, Rogan, Rugen, Rogan. It's, it's, it's spelled Rugen, but they pronounce it Rogan in the oh, movie. Okay, okay, so okay. I've always said Rogan. Okay. Count Rogan, uh, is just such a great bad guy too. And like, oh, yeah, his, he looks like a total sleazeball. And yeah. his, and his death, like his staggering fall down death is really good too. I like that part. <laughs> yeah. Uh, giving them the cuts on his cheek, just like he did to him as a child. Mm-hmm, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's just perfect. Yep. It's perfect. What, what more could you ask for? I mean, that's, that's straight fairy tale stuff right there. It really is. Well, is there another one you want to touch on? I mean, I'm sure after I hang up with this call, I'll be like, oh, my God, I didn't bring up this part. It's like my favorite part. But, you know, uh, I, there's just so many of them. I mean, it's just every scene is just not only just ridiculously quotable, but it's just, again, I go back to that word fun and charm. It, it, it's just got to, every scene is like that. And uh, the screenwriter is a, was actually William Goldman who wrote the book. So mm-hmm. you know that it was going to be handled with care. And I, I think it shows through. You know, William Goldman's wrote a lot of screenplays now. But uh, he's even even after I think he won a he won an Oscar for Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. He still goes back to this as his favorite screenplay that he's ever written. Yeah, and and he wrote it for his daughters, right? He, yes, he got their yeah. input on. He the... asked him, "What what do you want me to write about? One set of princess, another one set of bride." He's like, "Well, okay, I'll write a book called The Princess Bride." That's so sweet. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. I mean, I'm I'm a, I'm a daughter of boys, so it probably doesn't mean quite the same as hearing it from your daughters. But still, anything to get you get any kind of thing from your children it, it's always something special which brings it back to hey guys don't watch goodbye christopher robin if you have kids because that movie will tear you apart okay i want to fit <laughs> that in there because it's been a, it's been a week and i'm still tore up about it well you know when you were talking about this movie and and how much you love it do you feel what do you think is the audience for this movie like okay my personal observation is I've actually had more guys tell me that they wanted to do this movie than you girls. You know, that's the thing. You you see a movie titled The Princess Bride, and you think, oh, that's like Frozen. That's something for girls, you know? <laughs> but I think uh, my wife kind of put it the best. She she taught sixth grade, and she said she'd take this movie to her class, you know, when they had, like, last day of school, and you just watch a movie. And she'd say, we're going to watch a movie called The Princess Bride, and all the girls would be interested, and all the boys would be like, oh, God, no. And she said, before the end of the movie, all the boys were locked in and the girls were kind of like, oh, that's pretty good. But all the boys were just like fully locked in. So, yeah, I think there is something in here. Uh, I, I don't want to say it's, it's, a, it's a boys movie. I definitely don't want to say it's a girls <laughs> movie. But it, it's just one of those rare movies that uh, gender, race, religion, nationality, and all that stuff really matters. It, it's, it, there's something in there for everyone and everyone just about can find a way to resonate with it. I don't know what it's like watching it. You know, like I used to love Goonies. And I told my wife, oh, you got to watch Goonies when we got together. But we were in our 30s, you know, and she was like, yeah, I guess it was fine. You know, I think I don't know how it is if you haven't seen something since you were a child like this, if it would still click with you quite the same way. But uh, I do know a yeah. lot of people that I know, like uh, my, my good friend Kyle, he's about nine years younger than me. And he was like, that movie looks absolutely stupid. And I was like, just watch it. He's like, my wife loves it. OK, I'll give it a try. And now he's like, that's one of my favorite movies ever. I love it. So, I mean, there is still some people that it's going to click with, I think, later in life. But mm-hmm. give it about two or three more. You'll, you'll see it on TBS one day or something. You'll leave it on and be like, my God, I love this. Just wait. Just wait. It'll get <laughs> Just you. Wait. So um, what keeps you coming back to this movie? I feel like that's a silly question because that's what we've talked about the whole time. But Well, to <laughs> quote uh, Peter Falk here, are you kidding? Fencing, fighting, torture, revenge, giants, monsters, chases, escapes, true love, miracles? I mean <laughs> – it's the 
perfect mix of fantasy and satire of fantasy. I mean, every single one of the characters are lovable. I think it's good for any age, gender, culture. It's perfect for families. It's good for groups of 30s and 40-somethings. I think it's timeless in a way to where it's aged well. And it could have come out last year as easily. I mean, you might make some questions about the budget if it came out last year. But (laughs) for something that was came out 30 years ago, I don't think it looks like it came out 30 years ago. It didn't feel like it came out 30 years ago. And I mean, in the end, I think it's just because it's so incredibly rewatchable. And uh, my few hundred viewings can attest to that. Yeah, I think what you were talking about earlier about it being so quotable has a lot to do with it. Um, Absolutely. Because, you know, when when a movie is really quotable, I think sometimes that can make you feel like you have a bigger connection to it because it's kind of like you're participating in it. And I've been like, you know, here uh, where we have Alamo Drafthouse, I've gone to some some quote alongs and and those are so fun. And, and so, yeah, I can definitely see that. And I feel like this movie is like always coming back to theaters. Do you feel that way? Like, I feel like every couple of years it's like back at Cinemark or somewhere. Uh, not and... here. Sadly, oh, really? they didn't have, they didn't even have anything at Alamo, but they, they did one for back to the future. And I went to that, but they didn't oh. do one for this at Alamo. I was quite upset. No, they did one here. And then Fathom Events had like some showings in some theaters too, I believe. Cause I had some friends that went. And my thought was like, well, isn't that always in theaters? <laughs> Maybe it's just here. I don't know. Maybe there's a big uh, market. They, in they actually they actually took away the Alamo close to me. So oh, I don't, maybe no. they maybe they are maybe they do do more. And I've just been missing it. Maybe, but yeah, and it was at it was at Cinemark and AMC too. I don't know. That's unfortunate. Mm. Well, um, so so that's what I think. I think just the casting is really really good. Rob Reiner, obviously. I mean, he's made some of my favorite movies ever. Uh, oh, absolutely! You know, Stand by Me. I think Stand by Me was always my go-to. It, when Harry Met Sally was the movie that showed me that it was okay for a guy to like a romantic comedy. And it's still <laughs> my. It's, if, if you want to label it that, that it's still my favorite one. I, I think, uh, yeah. My favorite romantic comedy is When Harry Met Sally. My wife hadn't seen it when we got before we got married. I was like, Well, we're watching this, or I can't marry you. You know. So, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, in Stand by Me, you know, by now, what a big Stephen King fan I am, and that's, a, that's an adaptation of a Stephen King book of the body, and that's. Mm-hmm. That is the essential coming of age story to me. So yeah, Rob, Rob Reiner, he's, he's. He, I don't think he's done anything I've watched recently. I mm-hmm. think the last thing of his I watched was in the '90s, maybe. Yeah. Uh, no, I watched that one with it was him. It was Bruce Willis and Michelle Pfeiffer. I can't think of it. The story of us. I think maybe that was like the last one I watched. Oh, okay. But uh, yeah, that was that was way too sad. Mm. Uh, <laughs> I hadn't dealt with like a divorce or anything like that, so I didn't know what that was like. I, I still haven't, thankfully. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, again, I'm rambling. I just I was surprised at oh, uh, no. how much, how many, how many Rob Ryan, Rob Reiner movies, Rob Ryan, Rob Reiner movies. I, I really do, I really do appreciate. Well, you should come back and talk about Stand by Me, because man, if there's a movie that I would love to talk about, I saw that movie. Oh, I don't know, like a hundred times, like as a kid. I remember thinking it was weird. It was probably the one of the first movies that I watched repeatedly and think and thought, there's something wrong with me. I've watched this movie so many times. It's kind of dark, but I, I love that, this, that movie. Princess Bride was the first movie that I heard with bad language in it, but Stand By Me taught me how to swear. I mean, I still, <laughs> I still call people a four-eyed pile of shit because of that movie. And it's not my proudest moment, but it, it's... <laughs> Again, a quotable movie. That's that's it. Very that is quotable. the coming of age story. And you know what? Every coming of age story they make now. I mean, look at it that came out last year. Everybody said, "Oh, it's like Stand by Me, but with a big scary monster in it." I mean, everything. It's coming of age story for young children now is always based off of Stand by Me. How about uh, Sandlot? And mm, yeah, you know, yeah. Sandlot was basically like, "Let's make Stand by Me, but not so." <laughs> Uh, no cuss words. Just take everything yeah, scary out of right. it. No body, just scary dog in it. Yeah. <laughs> uh huh. No body, just baseball. You know. Yeah. But no, yeah, the, yeah. Hey, uh, you want to say you stand by me for me? You absolutely take yeah, it down. Yeah, let's do it. Absolutely. I would love to. Yeah, because I mean, I really enjoyed discussing this movie with you. I just wish I had more. Like I had more to say. I'm sorry if I was too quiet. I'm like. <laughs> that's that, that's fine. I don't I don't want to feel like I, I I'm stepping on your show here by. Oh, by, not by, at by, all. No, not at all. No, but no. Uh, it's. I really think once you watch it a few more times, it, 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 watch it until you love it. I think that's what you told me with Blade Runner. Watch it until I love it. <laughs> <laughs> You're n- you just don't understand. It's genius. Yeah. Uh, um, well, what would you say to someone on that note that has never seen this before? How do you pitch this movie? What's your pitch? I kind of touched on it already, but uh, really, I would say to them, I don't care how old you are. I don't care if you're a boy or a girl. I don't care what nationality you are. Uh, it, there's something about this movie that transcends all of that. And in in a post-social media age where it seems like 
everyone's reached a point where they just want to microanalyze everything until they hate it mm-hmm. uh, in, in everything entertainment based or yeah. look for some reason to be upset about a, a hidden message or an agenda <laughs> or a plot point or something like that. that it's pure escapism. Yeah. <clears throat> and I think that's something that we let get away from us is the to just to enjoy some pure escapism once in a while. And I mean, it's easily, excuse me, <clears throat> excuse me, a top 10 all time movie for me. And I mean, I'd make, recommend it from everyone to, you know, a small child all the way to up to that, that artsy, hate everything, fun film critic. Uh, yeah. I mean, in short, it, I think it's a perfect movie and I see absolutely no way that anyone cannot love it. Yeah. Well, I really like that connection you mentioned about how you and your brother were not super close in age, but that you're both able to sit down and and watch it. And, you know, what a good memory that is. And and just sort of like a testament to what the movie can do for people. So, you know, like I said, I I appreciate hearing your perspective on it and trying to trying to grab onto a little bit of that since I didn't grow up with it. I feel like I missed out a little bit. It's like this movie. And what's the other one? Um dark crystal those are like the two movies that like i did not grow up with so it's like um it's like i'm missing something that everybody oh, i else love has. jim henson so yeah uh, I, I still i'm still actually kind of scared to show that one to my kid i'm afraid he'll get too scared with it it's i'm like scary. i'm like yeah i'm like i watched it when i was his age and i was fine but i don't it's one of those things when you when you become a parent you're afraid okay i think he's fine he'll be but i'm like but you know what i gotta deal with the consequences if he's up all night scared with nightmares so <laughs> <laughs> i'll wait until he wants to watch it but, uh. yeah i i think this movie uh princess bride for you that movie for me was probably never ending story that's the closest oh. thing i can yeah who doesn't love that yeah that movie i thought about it because the first time i saw it i was a little scared but you want um, me to get really sissy on you here uh look since I've had kids, I'm a big old baby about movies. I'll cry watching a commercial <laughs> now. But before that, I, I would list that there was three movies that make me cry anytime I watch them. E.T., The Lion King, and The Never Ending Story, The Swamps of Sadness. Oh, my God. Yeah. Forget that part. It's rough. Forget that part. You know what? And, and that's like in the first 20 minutes of that movie, and I'm like emotionally assassinated. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I, I, I think like – you know, me trying to sell never ending story to someone and just how much I love it. Like, I think that's what you and other people feel with Princess Bride. Actually, that I'm trying to kind of the same way that it's, it's yeah. someone telling a story. So, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and like the 80s were just such a it's just like such a magical time where like every movie was about fantasy and like, you know, movies like this and. You know, uh, Flight of the Navigator. Kroll, oh oh my god. (laughs) Willow? You liked Willow, right? Uh, You know, I didn't grow up with Willow either. Man, Man. that was the movie that made me like, uh, God, what's his name? Remember, Val Kilmer, before he went like weird, like like, like he is now. But yeah, that was the movie that introduced me to Val Kilmer. Oh yeah, he's great now, but... But yeah, so, well, Mike, thanks so much for coming on the show. Um, I think at this part, you should plug your podcast, plug your social media. Uh, well, we have a podcast called Geek Media Core. Uh, it was something that I came up with because you saw so many podcasts that were centric to one thing. They were just about Star Wars or just about the MCU. We said we wanted to do something where we could talk about anything in geek pop culture, comics, movies, music, beer, video games, whatever, books. And that's basically what we do every single week, me and my friend Danny. We just talk about really what's going on in current pop culture, but we'll also take an episode here and there and kind of reflect on stuff you know, that we love or stuff that we want to see happen. And, you know, it, we try to stick away from just the the negativity that's out there. We're not quite full positive like your podcast is, which is what <laughs> I love about it. Uh, but you can find us every week. We can find us on, uh, we, we do YouTube live, but we also podcast it on iTunes. Just search Geek Media Core, C-O-R-P-S, which I, we actually got from Green Lantern Core because we both like Green Lantern so much. That's how we came up with the name. But uh, <laughs> yeah, awesome. and I'm, I'm on Twitter at, Zep one nine seven eight, big Led Zeppelin fan, obviously, and uh, yeah, hey, hey, if you don't mind me uh, talking about Houston sports once in a while, but if you want to just focus on just the geek stuff, it's, it's at GMC podcast is the just the show page where I talk about all the nerdy stuff. Yeah, and and you guys have great chemistry, and I, I love the show. It's so fun to listen to. And we have and... a lot of requests for you to come back all the time. So. <laughs> I want to come back. I seriously, it's so fun to go on there because you know my my podcast is so movie centric that it means I can't talk about all the shows. I mean, Geekdom 
is my entire life. It's like I, I almost don't watch, read, or do anything that isn't geeky. So it is fun to come on there with you guys and just get to like vent it all out and just go crazy. So I, I really do want to come back soon. What I think that uh, works for us is that we don't just agree with everything. You know, I mean, yeah. like, for example, I like Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. He didn't. He mm-hmm. liked Star Wars Last Jedi. I didn't. But, you know, we can actually talk about what we did and didn't like. And, uh, you know, we're still friends at the end of the day. It's great. Right. <laughs> it's a good – the conversation has a good flow to it. And you really do kind of touch on everything. And it's also good for me because sometimes, you know, I don't get a chance to watch or read all the stuff you guys are talking about. But I'm interested. So it is kind of like a little soundbite of all that for listeners that – Well, I'm sure have. Danny would appreciate someone coming on that watches all the DC TV stuff because he was he, – he was – texting me that I've got to watch Black Lightning and I'm oh like my God, man, I've so got so many good I'm I'm so, <laughs> so I'm so good. I'm so stuck on uh, Vikings all of a sudden that I'm like I'm not watching anything except Vikings right now cuz that's Yeah awesome. I'm glad you're watching just, Vikings I just discovered though. Vikings and it's yeah. excellent It's really good All right well um thanks again for coming on and for talking about this movie and I know this episode is going to be really popular <laughs> so thank you for that too <laughs> and you know I really hope people will check out your show and that you'll come back uh, if I would say no, that would be absolutely, totally, and in all other ways inconceivable. <laughs> awesome. Well, have thanks a good for night. having me. All right, bye. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening. I had a great time discussing Princess Bride with Mike this week. And if you guys have feedback on this episode or any others, please feel free to reach out to me on Twitter under AYA Lisa Cosplay. You can also find me on Instagram under AYA and as a Nancy AMI Lisa or in our closed Facebook group, I Love That Movie. The group is closed, but just send me a request and I'll add you. It's a safe space for movie lovers to discuss their favorite films, judgment-free. My only rule is keep it positive. And if you like what you heard today, please describe and rate the show. If you leave a positive review on iTunes, you will be entered to win a $20 gift card for a movie theater chain of your choice. Uh, Right now we're at 17 reviews, and once we get to 30... I will pull a name and select a winner. So leave a review today. Uh, Thanks so much, and I look forward to hearing from you guys. Bye.